Thank you very much. As Ben's just said, this is the last sermon in this series called Radical Life. I'm waiting for Jez to adjust my microphone. Um, are we good? Good. Um, so, you know, if you've been here for the last few weeks, we have looked at the radical call, the fact that Jesus called his disciples. He saw them and he called out to them to, for them to come and be his disciples. We, we listened to Lee preach about the radical few. Will you be one of those radical few people that go out and calls the harvest, calls the multitude in to know that the love of God in their life? We've looked at the radical cost of being the disciple um, and laying down our lives in order to receive the life of Jesus and to go out and offer that to others. We've looked at the radical welcome and how we get to um, know that Jesus is the one inside of us. And as people welcome us, they're welcoming Jesus. They're welcoming the presence of, of Jesus into their home. And last week, Ben spoke to us about the radical rest. What does that look like to cast our cares upon him? Because he cares for us to, to know that we take upon his burden and his yoke, which is easy and light. feel like this is cutting in and out. Anyway, we'll get there. So this week, we're going to look at the radical message. That's what this week is, the radical message. And I want to say, I want to have a look at what that is and I want to have a look at how we multiply or how that message is multiplied in our life. So we're going to do the reading or Jez is going to do the reading. This is my lovely husband, Jez. Um, he's going to read uh, Matthew 13 for us. Um, but before he does, and this will not surprise a few of you who know me well, I want to ask each and every person in the room, a question and that question today is how is your heart how is your heart if I were to look into your eyes <laughs> I've got hecklers at the front this morning I just have to ignore them um, if I were to look into your eyes this morning and 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 really be able to look into your soul and I asked you the question how is your heart today what would you answer and the reason I ask that is I, I believe it's a question that Jesus will often ask us he stands before us and he says, how's your heart? Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. How is your heart today? Because I believe that a radical message, this radical message that we're going to be looking at, what it's looking for is a radical heart that will steward that message. So a lot of what today is about are four attributes of a radical heart. That is a heart that listens for understanding. That is a heart that uh, is soft and allows the gardener to come and dig it up and make sure that it's soft. That is a heart that trusts in God so that our roots go deep into the truth of who God is. And that is a heart that is undivided in its devotion to the King and his kingdom. What does it look like to have a heart that is radical, to carry a radical message? So let's read Matthew 13. Thanks, Jez. Yeah, this is Matthew 13, verses 1 to 23. Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. 
The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he had planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of those people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see and their eyes cannot hear and their heart cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but they don't have deep roots. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who heard God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he had planted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jez. So I grew up, um, I've been a Christian since I was 14 years old. So I've grown up listening to this passage a lot. And I realised I've grown up with two misunderstandings. The first is, I was taught that Jesus taught in parables to help us understand. And I've done a poll in the staff team or around the church, and 50% of people believe that's true. But I want to suggest to you, in the context of this passage, that Jesus was teaching in parables to see who would hear and then seek out understanding. This is a passage that is trying to invite us into what is it that Jesus is really saying here? What is he trying to teach us? And the second misunderstanding I've had with this passage is that I believed that the seed was the gospel of Jesus. I believed that as as the gospel was sown, um, then depending on people's responses to the gospel, they would either, it would fall on hard ground or rocky ground. And, and what I realised is it's much bigger than just the gospel. It's much bigger than just salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. If there's anybody here that 
hasn't heard the gospel and doesn't know that they're in relationship with a God who loves them, I want you to hear the heart of the Father today in this passage. And I want you to see how your heart is doing with the gospel message that the Father loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to take upon himself the punishment that you deserved and to rise again so that you could know relationship with a God who loves you relationship with a God who wants you to know him and that you could be with him for all of eternity. Now that is good news right there. And we all need to know that message of the gospel of Jesus. But if you look in verse 19, where it talks about what the seed is, I've never preached needing glasses before. This is the first time. Here we go. On and off. Um, Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom. You see, the kingdom, yes, it contains the gospel. Yes, it's about salvation, but it's way bigger than that. So this is a passage that is for you today, no matter how long you've been a Christian or figuring out whether to be a Christian or not, because this contains a question about how you Uh, grab hold of that radical message of his kingdom, the king's domain, everything that God wants to happen, happening on earth as it is in heaven. The power of God, the presence of God invading earth so that all sickness is is healed, so that all brokenness is made whole, so that all um, separation and division is brought back into alignment and reconciliation takes place. The kingdom is much bigger than the gospel message. And so I'm excited to ask you the question about how you are searching out and going after all that God has for you to carry a kingdom message that is multiplied for a world that needs to hear it. So, four attributes of a radical heart to carry this kingdom. The first is, and I love it, when when the Bible talks about something, you pay attention. When it says the same thing three or four times in a passage, you need to understand that this is what he's trying to say. And now if you look at verse 9, verse 12, verse 23, you will see something that is repeated. Verse 9, listen and understand. Verse 12, For those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Verse 23, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. I think the context of this passage and why he says to his disciples, this is why I teach in parables, is because this message is not an intellectual message that we can just here and then move on. This is a message that we really need to listen for understanding. We need to allow this message to sink into our hearts. And the reason I believe he talks about a seed is because that message falls in as we hear it and we seek out understanding in order that that message changes us from the inside out. He's looking for somebody who will who will so search out what the truth is that it will allow that person to radically change their life according to the truth of God's word. So it's really important that we hear (laughs) that a radical heart looks like a heart that listens for understanding. 
It's radical because we're not very good at listening. I want to encourage you today to think, how good am I at hearing? How good am I at coming into church, hearing a message and then going, okay, now God, what does that mean for me? How am I going to align myself to that word and actually seek you for the understanding that that transforms me from the inside out? Matthew 4 verse 4 says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you listening for that rhema word in your life? Are you listening for that daily bread that feeds you and changes you? The second thing is a radical heart is soft. <laughs> Let's have a look. Verse four, um, it says, as he scattered um, the seed across the field, some seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Now, I've always just read this as it fell on hard ground. And I've been really struck by the fact that it says the seed fell on a footpath. And when I thought about what's a footpath, it's just something that has been trodden down, isn't it? It's just something, it's soil that's been walked on and pressed down. And uh, I want to suggest today that there are times in our life when things happen to us and that soil, that soft, those soft areas in our hearts get a bit trodden on, get a bit pushed down. And we need to decide whether we come back to the gardener and say, do you know what? I don't want this footpath. I don't want this hard ground where that seed is just hitting and bouncing off or the enemy's coming and eating it. I want that seed to, to land in my heart, in that, in that soft place in my heart. Let me give you an illustration quickly. Three years ago, I was a, a leader in a local church. Um, and if you'd have asked me the years of training I'd had up until that point that had taken me to be a, a church leader and, and paid on staff in a church had led me to this place where this was where God wanted me to be. This was my tribe. This was the alignment that God had for us. And this is where he wanted me to be. I was absolutely not going anywhere else. And in a, in a 10 minute conversation one day out of the blue, um, I was told that actually um, the, the trustees had decided to get rid of all paid staff. And because of the way that that conversation went, it suddenly became very apparent to me that I couldn't stay in that church anymore. And in a moment, I realised I'd lost my job. I'd lost my salary. I'd lost my title. I'd lost my position. And I'd lost my dream. I absolutely didn't have another dream. This was all I saw for the next 10, 20 years time. This was where I was going to be. And in a moment, it was gone. And, it, and I began to feel the pain of people walking on soil and squashing down this heart of mine. The night before the church were going to be told about this decision, the Lord woke me up and he said, Nick, get a pen. <laughs> when he says that to me, I know I'm going to have to hold on to something that he's going to say. And he said to me, Nick, you've been praying to be more like Jesus. Let me tell you, 
I love it when you, when you believe for miracles and signs and wonders and preach the gospel, but this is being more like me. I was despised. I was rejected. I was betrayed. I was punished for things that, that weren't my fault. And I did it silently. He went to the cross silently and he forgave. <laughs> forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. We pray it every week. But the pain continued. If I thought that was bad enough, I also began to realize that I'd lost my church family. I'd lost my closest friends. You see, a message had gone out across the city um, and YouTube videos made and they began to believe that narrative that was told. And, and Jez and I stayed quiet and we didn't defend ourselves in any way. And I um, lost a lot of close friends. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. And then I came to St. Thomas's and I'd love to say yes and everything was different and suddenly my world was perfect. But I came to St. Thomas's and everything was different. I'd never been in a Church of England church before. This was very new to me. And I sat on the, on the chair at St. Hilda's every week and my kids were involved in the sound and the worship and I sat there going, what am I doing? What am I doing here? The only thing I knew was the presence of God was in this place. And that as I worshipped and let some of that pain out and dissolved into a heap of tears on the floor, Ben was okay at serving communion off the floor to me. And I was like, okay, this church has the presence of God and it's okay with mess. So I knew that this is where God had us. But the pain continued. I needed to adjust my apostolic covering, which made me cry for three days. I needed to give up my regional leadership because I was now part of this church. And I needed to stop my ordination training, which had been years in the making. I was in so much pain. And one day I woke up and I realized that there was all of this anger and all of this unforgiveness. We'd, been, we'd tried to do it every day. We know how to forgive people. But I woke up and there was so much pain in my heart, so much bitterness. And I, it was like I closed my eyes and I saw myself carrying two bucketfuls of, let's just call it excrement because we're live streaming. And I'm looking at this and then I look up in my, in my imagination, I see Jesus before me and I'm so embarrassed. Look at what I've got to offer him. Bitterness, unforgiveness, look at this. I was so embarrassed. But I knew in that moment I had a choice. Unfortunately, I chose to bring him those buckets. And I'll never forget the look in his eye. As I handed him the buckets, I looked up and I saw delight. I saw delight in my saviour's eyes. And so he, he just looked at me and he went, come with me. The reason I know this wasn't my imagination is because I had absolutely no idea where we were going. And he led me to this door opened the door and we stepped into a garden and there were fruit trees and there was beautiful flowers and there were shrubs and there were other things that, it, that clearly he'd been pruning within an inch of their lives and there was other beds that were, looked like there were going to be things planted out in them. And he said to me, Nick, 
this is your heart. And then he said, come on. And he led me down and into a greenhouse where there was loads of, of seedlings waiting to be planted out. And he said to me, because you've brought me these buckets, I can now plant out these seeds. And I suddenly realized that in the hands of my savior, in the hands of my redeemer, he takes all of that ugliness in us and he turns that pain into fertilizer. That's who he is. And that was the truth. From that moment, my heart began to get soft. My heart began to trust him because I could bring him. My husband's handing me tissues. I'm all right. Um, I could bring him this stuff that I was struggling with. And I knew he was shaping me. He was digging my heart over. He was redeeming all situations. How's your heart? A radical heart is a heart that trusts. The second soil, let's have a look, verse 20 and 21. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Did you know that if you took a plant, a new plant, and you fed it the perfect amount every day, you've watered it every day, and you just made sure that plant had everything it needed, do you know that that plant wouldn't have good roots? Because roots grow when they go in search of water. It's actually in the, in the hard times, in the times of struggle, that, that, that the roots go down and they search for water. And that, that root system is what gives it its strength. And I want to suggest there's something about allowing the gardener to, to dig up the hard bits, bits where we've been hurt, to take away any of the, the stony bits in our soil so that we, even in the hard times, hold to and trust the word of God in our lives. Do we let our circumstances and experiences change our theology? I've just prayed for this person to be healed and they weren't healed. Ah, okay, let's change the theology to make that okay. No, <laughs> perfect theology that is Jesus throughout the Bible is what we hold to and we don't try and explain when it doesn't happen, but we say this is what the truth of God is. Therefore, even though my experience doesn't match that right now, I will search, I will go in search of what is the truth for me in this moment, even though circumstances are saying something else. Jeremiah 17, verse seven and eight says, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the river whose roots go deep and he never fails to bear fruit. A radical heart looks like a heart that trusts. And a radical heart, verse 22, looks like a heart that is undivided. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hears God, hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. 
Are you living a life where Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Where we're saying this kingdom message, this incredible message of, of heaven invading earth, this is the one thing that my life is about. I live to honour the king and his kingdom and everything else will be added unto me. Or are you letting the worries of this world, the, the money and the lure of other things be planted in your heart as well, that you have to have a contested soil, that those things are trying to grow up together and it's actually causing a crowding out in your life. I want to suggest that a radical life looks like a heart that is undivided in its devotion to the king and his kingdom. The good seed fell on that soil that had been dug up. And the seed went in deep and began to transform that environment. And there was a, a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times what was planted. Do you want to live this radical life that we've been talking about? Because actually, it always comes back to, how's your heart? So do you need to forgive anyone today? Do you need to admit that actually the pain of all the things that happened in COVID or the struggles of relationships that we're in, do you need to look again and say, God, is there any hard bits in my heart that I need to bring to you? Is there any ugliness that I'm carrying that looks like unforgiveness and offence and anger towards someone? Because I know, Jesus, that in your hands, you redeem all situations. You take my pain and you make it fertiliser. Do you need to so search out the truth of God's word that that's what you're relying on? It's when you listen to him that that's where your roots go deep because you're saying, I don't change the message depending on what's happening in my life. I know that this is who he is and this is what he wants. And do you need to be real about, is there anything else in my life, God, that I'm putting before you, that I'm letting growing up alongside this kingdom message? Because God... It's all about you. I want to be wholly devoted to my king and his kingdom. We're about to celebrate communion. And uh, one of the things I love about it is it's, it's a place where a divine exchange takes place. See, I bring him my heart, no matter where it's at. And he offers me his and he speaks a better word over me. And he's calling to each one of you today, will you come as you are and receive the healing and the hope and the love of a father that changes you forever. That's my prayer today. For your glory, Jesus. Amen.